afternoon, everyone. So great to be here with you today. Again, my name is Pastor Todd Swisher. I'm the lead pastor here at Eastside City Church along with my wife, Jan. And we're just so glad that you are here with us today and believing that God just wants to shower you with more of his goodness. Now, who here knows that in all situations, God is good? And today, I kind of have to start off my message by sharing something with our congregation here with our body uh, that is, uh, brings me some sadness on one hand, uh, and that is that this week, uh, Louise Thiessen, one of our dear beloved sisters, went home to be with Jesus suddenly, and so we're uh, in the process of uh, just walking with the family, and when uh, we're, we're trying to figure out when we're going to be able to uh, have her celebration of life. Uh, so if you will pay attention to the um, website, uh, we will let you know when that is going to happen. Uh, but she was a dear uh, lady that was a part of this church for a long time, a pillar in our community, and we already miss her uh, very, very much. And so I just felt like as your pastor uh, that I needed to let you know that here today, all right? Um, it's kind of a little bit, uh, I, I know, something we weren't thinking about, but we're going to get into today the, our series again that, that good things are, uh, it's all good. Because I still believe that in the midst of life and death, God is still good. Can I hear an amen? Now, who here knows that technology is something that's wonderful when it works? Now, some of you have probably noticed, it's pretty obvious here today, one of our screens is completely gone. Uh, technology is great when it works for you. Uh, an hour about before church came, we had a massive power surge here. It knocked everything out. Our, half of our microphones don't work right now. This screen got wiped out. And so technology is something that's a little bit, can be a little bit sketchy at times and interesting uh, when it doesn't really work. Now, I know when it comes to photography, one of the great things that you now can do is that people are actually shooting videos, home movies, on their iPhones and their Samsungs, and it's a great thing. And, and so uh, it's amazing what you can do with these cameras, but who here knows that in order to take good pictures, there's still some important things that you have to be able to do. First of all, you have to have good timing. You know, even if you uh, think that you have a good shot, it takes timing. It takes um, proper lighting, and you have to make sure that you are focused, which is the most important part, on the right object. Now, it's so easy for these cameras because they pretty much do everything for you that sometimes they will focus on something other than what you intended for them to focus on. Who here has ever done that? You went to take a picture and it's like it focused on something crazy like the plant. Now, when it comes to me, I have to admit, I am not a very good photographer. In fact, when I take pictures, typically uh, my thumb gets in the way. Uh, that I end up being one of those people that's like, wow, that is a very good picture of your thumb. I end up focusing on the wrong things. You know, there are things in life that require focus. And I, I was thinking about when my wife and I were getting married, the effort, the energy that we put into planning our wedding. I remember we spent months and months. Who here remembers those days for those of you that have already got married? The, the, the months that you spent into preparing the right invitations, you wanted to make sure that you had the right location, that you were, you spent weeks looking for things that you needed to do. Then you negotiated with all of the vendors. 
to get the best price on flowers, uh, pictures, caterers, and the like. And then finally, finally, all that work is put in. You get to the week leading up to the wedding, and you spend hours decorating, fussing over little things, and, and you put all of this time and this energy into making everything perfect, and then all of a sudden, the day arrives, and within a couple hours, poof, it's over. It's done. The event is over, but the challenging thing or the thing to, that we forget sometimes is that not, the, the event is over, but the life has now begun. And so many couples sometimes will, can focus many times on the day and forget that it's the beginning of a life. And they become disappointed when the life does not reflect the day. You see, we can so many times focus on what I call the wrong things. Our focus can be off. So what is our focus for today? Well, I want to go back to our main scripture that we've been talking about. It is in Psalms chapter 84, verse 11 in the New Living Translation. It says this in the second part of this verse. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. What is God saying here? He says, I will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right. He is the keeper of good things. Amen? God has good things for us. His desire is to give. Why? Because he is a good God. However, the Bible says here that he looks for those who will do his will or do what is right or who will have a right heart. God gives good things to those who keep a right heart. So here's my question as I begin this message today. What drives you or is your motivation for life? Now, as people, we tend to judge others not just by our actions, the things that we do, but we tend to judge them by what we perceive their motivation is, what's really in their heart. Now, as a parent, you know that when your kids begin to come to you, they may say things. I I know this has happened to me many times. One of my children will come to me and they'll be like, hi, dad, which will catch my attention because usually I just get grunts and moans and all kinds of stuff. So now they're talking to me. Hi, Dad. How are you doing? Did you have a great day today? Now my antennae begin to go up because I realize that something possibly could be up. And then the next statement just puts that all around. It says, Dad, did you know that you're the greatest dad in the world? Now who here knows what's really going on here? What's our question? What, what is it you want? What, what is it you're asking for? You see, all that other stuff, yeah, I, I was kind of feeling good for the first hi, dad moment. But you realize there was a different motivation. They wanted something from you. Our heart has to do with our motivation. So when it comes to good things, and we were been talking in this series about that God wants to give us good things. So much of it has to do with our motivation because let me ask you this. Is it okay to have nice things in life? Yeah, I think it is. Does God want you to be successful? What would your answer to that question be? Yes, I believe he does, but it also depends on how you define success. we got to be careful here. Does God want to bless you, his people? 
And I say yes, yes, and more yes. However, listen to this, to chase after these things or make them more of a priority than honoring God and his word is a recipe for disaster. You see, it's about our focus. It's about our motivation. It's about why we do the things that we do. And I believe this, you can never go wrong putting God first in your life. Now, in Matthew, we have an account of Jesus preaching to his disciples, and a great crowd of followers are around him. And what he shares is going to be revolutionary to his listeners. You see, this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has what has been famously called the Sermon on the Mount. It's where Jesus begins to lay out what his vision is, what God's vision through him is for the world. He begins to talk about things that people have never heard before, like forgiveness, real forgiveness, like caring for the sick, caring for those who are needy. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, as he's been preaching here for a while and teaching for a while, he begins to share this. He says this in verse 19, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. I love that word vermin. I chose this translation just because of the word vermin. It was, it's awesome. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You have to understand that the audience that he was preaching to, this would have been so different from their mindset. He was preaching to the nation of Israel. He was preaching to those who were listening to them. And here's what he says. Look, what you need to do is you need to not store up for yourself treasures here on earth. That would have been like, what? Because their whole view of God's blessing and God's provision for their life, and if they were in God's favor, was by what they would receive. You know, those who were wealthy were more blessed. God had more favor, more love for him in their mind. And so they would look around and say, isn't that what we're supposed to do? If we're really doing good, isn't this how God will show his blessing and his provision for us? And that Jesus comes and he, he, he begins to tear apart this system of thinking that somehow stuff doesn't necessarily equal God's favor. We can get caught up in stuff and we forget that there's so much more to God. I remember growing up in the Pacific Northwest, it was obvious that you, when you went to store things, you had to be very careful. And I remember one time we were getting ready to move and my mom said, you know, you know, if there's some things you want to keep for the future, let's box them up. We'll put them in storage. And so I had books. I had awards. I had stuffies and things that I was like, one day I'm going to want these again because these are really important to me. And after a couple years, we went back to the storage unit. And who here knows what it's like out on the coast? It does what a lot? It rains. It rains. And so somehow some moisture had gotten into the boxes and we had mold on everything. All these things that we thought were so great had to be destroyed. Why? Because rot, moths, uh, mold had gotten in there and destroyed it. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, verse, a little bit later on, he talks about no one can serve two masters. Either you will 
hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's a man that lived in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. His name was Howard Hughes. He was an iconic billionaire. In fact, a lot of the airline industry, he financed so much of it. But as he got older, he began to get very paranoid about people stealing from him, that somehow he was going to lose his wealth. And so he ended up locking himself into his posh apartment. And things got so bad that he wouldn't even turn the lights on in his office. He wouldn't even leave his office because he didn't want anybody to be able to locate him and begin to to get in and begin to ask him for money or anything. By the end of his life, he was in such bondage to things that he wouldn't even come out of his office. He hardly ate. He wouldn't bathe. He wouldn't groom himself. And so he, at the end of his life, lived in a place of paranoia and slavery. He became a slave to his desires. Have you ever watched the show Extreme Hoarders? Houses filled from stem to stern with all sorts of stuff. Now, I don't want you to look at some the, your, your husband or your wife and say, you know, that's you. Pastor, if you're a hoarder. You hold on to things. But these people are so extreme that their houses are piled from the top to the bottom with all sorts of stuff. And it's, they, they begin to bring in people to help them clean up things. But the problem is, is they don't want to let go of anything. Don't grab that empty pizza box. Well, it, it's gar- no, it's not garbage. That cardboard is valuable. I could need it sometime. These people become slaves to things. Why? Because they fear that they will not have enough. Or they fear that they will throw something out that they might la- later need. I, I understand that. I kind of f- go to that in my when I'm not doing the best I can. You know, my wife will be like, Todd, it's okay to get rid of that extra bolt that Ikea gave you. No, I, I might need that some other time. That, that, that could come in handy. You know, Ikea gave you that extra bolt for a reason. We're afraid we might need it later. Or the worst yet, that somehow we may not, we may not be cared for. You see, it's so easy to get caught up chasing after things that have no eternal value. And I believe this, that the enemy wants to fill our time with things that in the long run do not matter. It's so easy to think that stuff is what will make us happier, that if we only had a little bit more, we would be better off. At the end of life, people do not wish for certain things. They don't wish. I've never heard somebody tell me that they wish that they would, had worked for more hours for their company. You know, I really wish I would have put in 10 more hours a week in my job. That, that's what is important. Nobody says, you know, I wish I would have purchased more RSPs. I, you know, for these last couple days that I have on earth, I, I just feel like that investment would have really helped make things better. Nobody says that I wished I would have went to the store and bought one more outfit. They wish for real things like deeper relationships, more time with kids, better relationship with their spouses. 
or that their life would have counted for something more than it did. You see, I say this, that good things are more than just stuff. Good things are a part of having the goodness of God that just is inside of your life. God desires for us to seek his face, not just his hands. He desires for us to know his heart, to have his heart. He desires us for us to relate to him, to put everything, him above everything else. We know that from Matthew 6.33. He wants us to trust him with every part of our lives. That when we do so, we reap the fruit of righteousness. You see, there are things that I believe that are so much more valuable than things. And it isn't that God doesn't want us to have nice things. I believe it that when we follow after him, there are are places where we can see some material rewards. But I think there are greater rewards that God has for us. How about peace in your heart, joy in your life, freedom in your living, and fulfillment for what you've done? I say this, to be free in our thoughts, to be controlled by nothing but the leading of the Holy Spirit is a great reward. To have peace in our relationships, especially with God, is a place of favor. To experience joy in the midst of any circumstance, is there any greater treasure? To know that you're loved unconditionally, come on, isn't that the measure of true blessing, to be loved unconditionally. You see, the enemy loves to rob us by putting doubt in our minds and worry in our hearts. In fact, Jesus goes on to say later on in Matthew chapter 6 that don't worry. Don't let worry rob you. Why? Because I will take care of you. I take care of the lilies of the field and the sparrows that fly above. Why wouldn't I so much more take care of of you? We forget sometimes that God has more We forget that he's ready and able to provide for us. We forget that there are better things, that we're called to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You see, we have to sometimes think about eternity. I know that when I think about the passing of loved ones, the Louise Thiessen, I think about eternity. It's so, what we do here is so temporary here on this earth. Our life is, earthly life is but a blip on the radar. We spend such a short time on this planet. However, that short time we spend here has an incredible impact on our eternity. Not just our eternity, but also the eternity of others. John Bevere makes this statement in his book, Driven by Eternity. Your response to the cross determines, listen to this, where you will spend eternity. However, the way you live as a believer determines how you will spend eternity. How you will spend eternity. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians the fact that we're called to run a race and that God will give us an imperishable crown Listen to this with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 25. Do you not know that in a race all Runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it 
to get a crown that will last forever. God has eternal rewards for us. When I talk about good things, I want to say that some things are even greater things that God has for us that we will experience for eternity. So how do we establish eternal rewards? How do we receive that crown that will last forever? You see, I believe this, that when we get to heaven, there will be many things that we see, but we're going to be judged on how we live our life. Not always popular, not always exciting to talk about. But it's the truth. So how can we gain eternal rewards? First of all, I want to say this. We do what God asks us to do. We do what God asks us to do. This isn't glamorous. This may not be the most inspiring thought that you've ever heard. Some of you are going to be like, Pastor Todd, I know it, but I'm saying, do you live it? It's being obedient to God and his word. We fool ourselves and we think we can live our own way, that we can do our own thing. You see, in today's church, we have this thing called greasy grace, that you can just do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter that God loves you and he'll forgive you. And I want you to know that God does love you and God will forgive you. But it will rob from you. It will rob from you on earth the joy, the peace, the goodness, the grace of God. But I believe we also receive an eternal crown by walking in obedience to God. It doesn't change our salvation. It changes what he has for us. Colossians 3 23 verse 24, Paul wrote this, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. God has a reward for those who follow after him, who love him. Now some might be saying, Pastor, you're just preaching about works. I, yeah, I'm not saying that you can work for your salvation. I'm saying that God does reward the way we live our lives. God honors those who honor him. To those who put him first, he gives an inheritance, an eternal reward that cannot be taken. Say eternal reward. All right, thank you. Secondly, we can earn eternal rewards by helping those who cannot help themselves. You see, I believe that Jesus loves it when we do for others what they cannot do for themselves. Then we take care of the poor. We take care of the needy. And I believe that one of the things we are looking to do here is sometimes people forget that those who can't do something for themselves are those that are children, the next generation. That we're called to invest in them and to help them grow and be who God's called them to be. In the fall, I preached a message called Think Three that we're not only called to Think about the next generation, but we're called to think about the generation that's coming after them. And that one of the greatest things we can do is invest in them. And as your pastor, one of the things that God has put in my heart for this coming year is that we would begin to do more for our children, not only in our church, but also in our community. Last Sunday night, we celebrated Limitless 2017, where I shared the vision that God put on my heart, that we would become more impactful for the kids. One of the things that we want to do is we're looking to raise funds to totally renovate our children's ministry area. My heart, 
My desire is that our children's ministry area would be a place that when kids come there, they would feel like, wow, this is so awesome. These people care about us, but they more than care about us with the stuff they do. They care about us because they love us. They are willing to spend their time with us. I believe that we talked about in Limitless that we want to help sponsor kids to go to Christian school that want to do that, both here at Eastside City Church at Eastside Christian Academy, as well as around the world. That we are actually right now forming a partnership with the Abbeydale Community Center that we're going to help put some funds into the things that we're doing. Why? Because they want to reach kids. And we want to be a part of reaching kids as well. Can I hear an amen? Who here is excited about seeing God touch the next generation? I want to go ahead, give it a. But I want to encourage you to pray about, because on April 30th, we're going to have our celebration Sunday. We're believing God to raise money for these projects. I believe God wants you to pray about what you can do, because I believe it will have an impact on eternity. Say eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. See, many times people don't get involved with working with children because they don't see the immediate benefit of it. But I believe God helps us when we do. Number three, how can we earn eternal rewards? Loving those who persecute us. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Man, that is so awesome, Pastor Todd. You know, I, 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 I'm one of those people that I, I enjoy being generous and giving to people that they give to me. You know, my wife, this is how it works, you know, at least. It shouldn't probably work this way, but this is the truth. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, right? You do good things for me, I'll do good things for you. But then we see what God says in the Bible. Here's what the Bible says about loving those who persecute us. It says in Luke 6, 27 and verse 28, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, man, what are you talking about, Jesus? You must have lost your mind. He must have ate some bad loaves and fishes or something. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. What? God, you're saying that when I, 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 I love people that are good to me, that, that that's okay, but that I'm really supposed to love those who hurt me? I'm supposed to forgive those who persecute me? In fact, I'm not only supposed to to. to Forgive them. I'm, so call, I'm called to bless them. You know, and, and here's because it says that in verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. lend to people that are my enemies. But God says he will pour out to us. He will give us a great reward, an eternal reward. You see, God's desire for us is that we would forgive others as he has forgiven us. And so many times we we, we, we experience things in life and we say, you know what, what I've experienced, it, it, it's too difficult. But the Bible declares that where sin abounds, where wounds abound, where hurts abound, God's grace abounds even more. And I'm not just preaching to you because it's the Bible. I, 
I'm preaching to you because I know from my own life's experiences that God can heal our hearts and set us free. But more than that, he says that he gives us, he pours out for us, he stores up for us great rewards. <laughs> Lastly, we earn great rewards by impacting people for eternity. People live forever. <laughs> Or at least their souls do. There's no greater investment than influencing and impacting people for eternity. I think one of the great rewards of heaven will be seeing who is in heaven with you. Who did you impact? Who did you influence? Who was it that you you, you did things for? Maybe you didn't even see what you did. You don't even understand what you did. But all of a sudden you're in heaven. I believe that you're going to reap that reward. You're going to see the reward of those people walking in heaven with you. I believe that for many people, but for some, we got to be careful. If we're not investing our time and our heart in the right things, if we're not reaching out to people, loving people, I believe that we could all of a sudden go, well, what really happened with our life? Because it takes intentionality. You know, I know that sometimes we can forget the importance of reaching those who are lost, that each and every one of us is called to reach the lost that are around us. We can get tied up so easily in our own world and miss what Jesus has called us to do. And I know I might step on some toes. I've just kind of been doing that all afternoon today, so I'm just going to keep it going. Because I believe this, that God, that fear is not a legitimate excuse. Because Jesus provided a way. He says in 1 John, perfect love drives out fear. It removes fear that when we're filled with the perfect love of the Savior, it removes our fear. We just need more Jesus in our life. I believe that busyness is not a legitimate excuse. Then when we get to heaven, God's not going to be like, you know what, I, I was so busy going to this sporting event, driving my kids here, doing all of these things, God, I just didn't have time. I don't believe that ignorance will win us any favor with him. Oh, God, I just didn't know what to do. God's saying, there are rewards for those who Reach out to people. And I believe believe this. We can begin to walk in this at any time. It does not require special abilities. Only a willing heart. And this year that's one of the areas that I want to help each person here become more impactful in. In reaching people. As I close here today I want to share this story. As a young youth pastor many years ago. I had dreams about what I thought God would use me to do in the ministry. I wanted to build a great youth ministry. In fact, I had a vision of this gymnasium completely filled on Friday nights with youth to overflowing, that there would be a waiting uh, um, line to just get in here. I thought it would be a great testimony. And all that sounds right now like, Pastor Todd, that's a good vision. But I didn't have the right heart. Because I also had this desire to be able to speak in big churches and conferences. that I would have this reputation of being this amazing pastor and leader. My name would be in billboards and lights. 
the mighty man of God. I want it to be admired by leaders and other pastors. But then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I realized that I was missing the mark, that this isn't what it was supposed to be about because I was making it about me. It wasn't about people. It wasn't about reaching people. And God began to work inside of my spirit. I was young. I, I, I didn't understand everything. I, I was, God was working things out in my life. Well, a few years later, I began to understand what the real importance of what God had called us to do. We were in Regina at a youth event. Now I'm telling you, you are a mighty man or woman of God if you will take a van load of teenagers and young adults and you will drive them to Regina. Oh my goodness, does, that, does there any turns on that road? I, I don't know. It was, it was scary to me. Eight hours. But I remember we got there and the atmosphere was great. I remember seeing kids that we brought. They were at the altar. God was touching them. They were worshiping God. Destiny was being spoken into their lives. It was a, it was a great event. But I began to get a little bit weirded out because there was this young man that kept staring at me. And everywhere I went, everywhere I, I showed up, every service, every time we went for lunch, every time we went somewhere, this guy was always there. And he was like looking at me. He was starting to creep me out. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I felt like I was being stalked. And here we were at the last night and the last meeting, the last gathering. And I was worshiping at the front, and all of a sudden I noticed stalker, creeper guy was right next to me. And he looks at me and he says, you don't remember who I am, do you? I said, no, I'm kind of wondering why you're uh, even kind of following me around. He said, yeah, I've been working up the courage to come and talk to you. He says, you see, I was, four years ago, I came to your youth group. I was angry at God. Some things were going on in my life. Things were going on in my family. I was, I was really angry. I was hurt. I was really frustrated. And he goes, when I was in your, at your youth group, he goes, I discovered something. I, I realized for the first time in my life that God loved me that God cared about me, that God had a plan for my life. Because of you and the love of the, the team, of all the people that were there, he goes, God did something in my heart. Now, we, my family, we moved away. We were only there for a few months, but that moment changed my life. That time changed my life. Well, that's not all. He said, today I want you to know something. I want you to know that I'm, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your church. And I want you to know that now that I'm, I'm, I'm going to Bible college so that I can help young people just like you do. You know, in those moments, you kind of go, man, the fact that those kids spilled pop in my van, it's okay. The fact that we stayed up Late at night, cleaning up, cleaning up, cleaning the building. Nobody was there. It's okay. It was all worth it. Can you say eternal rewards? 
I believe this, that when it comes to the end of my life, I believe when it comes to the end of our lives, the one thing that I want to hear Jesus say to me, and I want to hear Jesus speak this over you, is this well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did well. I want you to know, I want to know that I I ran my race. I ran the race that God had set out for me. You see, sometimes we think about racing as a sprint, but when the Bible is talking about your race, it's your life. It's a marathon. It's a journey. And I want to know that I ran my race with passion, with diligence, that I finished well. You see, today I believe that God is reminding us, maybe for some, he's speaking to us for the first time. That he wants to give each one of us a renewed focus. Maybe for some of us, it's a new focus. Maybe you realize that when you look at your life that you've been focusing maybe on some of the wrong things. You've been hoping for certain things to bring you peace and they've just frustrated you. And Jesus is saying, put your focus on things that are eternal. Eternal. 